Hello, this is Dennis Jenkins with Dynamic Dads. Today, I want to thank everyone for listening to my podcast, for listening to the past episodes, and hope that you enjoyed them and that you got something out of it. But today, I have a special guest on, an interview with Lynette Denise, and we're going to talk to her about autism. She's going to come on and give you a trans- be transparent with you about the difficulties as well as the rewards that she has had with ch- and the challenges of raising a child with autism. So, once again, April is Autism Awareness Month, so I wanted to go above and beyond to bring resources to those who are dealing with a child with autism. So, just like any other, any other special needs, autism is one that has many different spectrums to it. So, Lynette Denise is going to come on today, and she's going to give you some resources. She's going to give you some truths about autism. So hopefully that you will enjoy this, you will apply this, and you will share it with someone who maybe have autism, a family that has autism, dealing with autism, and raising a child with autism, or just a friend that you may know that might need these resources. So thank you for listening to my episodes, and please share this special Autism Awareness Month episode. Thank you. Over half a million autistic people feel socially isolated. I feel like a goldfish trapped in a bowl by an invisible wall of glass, looking out into a world I try so hard to join. In 22 years, only one person has offered to help. Most stare and make comments. It's time to get involved. Quiz. Hi there, my name is Charlie and these are my friends, Max, Dev and Sam. When I started Year 6 this year, I was so excited about becoming a peer support leader. Once our group started, I noticed there was a kid in my group who seemed a little different to the others. That was Max. Sometimes I make loud noises, flap my arms and spin round and round because it actually helps me become more relaxed. There is also a lady that comes with me to Charlie's group in case I need to go for a walk or help with understanding what Charlie wants to do in her group. For a while, we were all a bit confused and didn't really know why Max acted differently at times or why he had a helper. Turns out, Max has an autism spectrum disorder. After learning more about autism spectrum disorder, I learned that Max gets upset sometimes because some smells, noise and lots of kids in the same room can be very overwhelming for him. Max's senses, like his hearing, are very sensitive. The lady following Max around is the teacher's aide. Dev, Sam and I decided to get to know Max a little better and it turns out, Max is a pretty cool kid and a great friend. Max thinks a little differently to others and sometimes acts differently too. I guess when you think about it, we are all different in our own way. Like Sam, he needs a wheelchair to move around. I have really curly hair and Dev needs glasses to see well. It's no big deal and being different is what makes us all unique. 
Did you know that not one person with autism is the same as another? Max doesn't talk much, but we found out that he really likes trains. He knows heaps of stuff about them, that's why we call him Marvelous Max. He knows all the different types of trains and what they are used for. Sometimes though, he only wants to play train games. We all are playing soccer together, so we asked Max to play with us too. He just watched at first, but now on some days, Max loves playing soccer with us. Max loves keeping score. He has a great memory, so that's his job every time he plays with us. Max is really caring too. While we were playing in our playgroups the other day, Dev's glasses fell off and Max yelled out for everyone to stop while he ran over and picked them up for him. He always remembers everyone's news day too and he reminds us just in case we forget. Remember, it's always better to include everyone when you play so they don't feel left out and sad. If you're not sure how to do this, then make sure you ask your teacher on ideas to make playtime a better experience for everyone and to make sure no one is left out. Also, have a talk about how different you are from others. Remember, being different is awesome. Even if kids seem a little different on the outside, if you really get to know them, then they could end up being one of your best friends. That's how we all became friends. We now call ourselves the Marvelous Max Crew. One day, I'm gonna understand.
episode today. I, I do appreciate you spending time with us. So if you can, give me a little bio on just who you are um, and the name of your um, your child. Okay, um, first of all, uh, my name is um, Lynette Denise. Um, my son's name is um, Jordan Terrell Deshaun Broadus. He's 16 years old and he has autism. Um, Jordan was first diagnosed with autism when he was five years old. And prior to him being diagnosed with the autism, I knew that, um, you know, something was wrong with Jordan. But um, usually um, when they're real young, they don't want to put that diagnosis of as autism on the child. So they diagnosed him with the pervasive um, um, disability, whereas um, the kids, they, it's hard for them to, um, you know, learn how to talk and to do like just different um, simple chores around the house and everything. But just like I said, um, prior to him um, actually getting the actual diagnosis, I already knew what it was because at the time I was a, a registered nurse and, you know, working at um, a pediatrician's office, I would, um, you know, see how other ch- um, people's children were doing things, um, you know, um, in Jordan wasn't able to um, do these particular things. Right, right. So as you, like you said, in his early stages of um, of birth, his newborn, you, you quickly noticed that. So when you brought these things up um, to a doctor and like, so you were already in the field, so you understood, you know, what was going on. Did you have a reason to believe this was because of medication or this was something that was passed out? How did you link these things up? Well, for Jordan, I first started noticing a difference in Jordan um, shortly after he got his um, MMR because I was one of them parents, whereas I was always um, checking on the milestones of my children. And like um, Jordan, all his milestones were right on target. Jordan was walking when he was 10 months old. He was saying words. And it was just like it was like an overnight thing. Um, Jordan, just like say shortly after Jordan had his MMR, um, you know, Jordan went to sleep and like the fall one morning when he woke up, it was like his vocabulary was like completely gone. He woke up and he was pointing to things and saying uh, 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 uh. And I would tell him, you know, Jordan, use your words because the basic words I knew Jordan knew with the, you know, with the safe as far him wanting a cookie, wanting some potato chips, wanting, wanting something to drink. At that particular time, Jordan wasn't even able to um, to tell me that everything he pointed to, to let me know that's what he wanted. Wow, so his speech and his, his um, language just all of a sudden, when he did develop, it started fading away. That's correct, yes. Okay, so now you mentioned that you have um, you Jordan. So do you have any other? Does he have any other siblings? Yes, um, I have an older son. He's thirty six years old, and um, he has no um, you know medical issues or anything like that. Nursing. It's just Jordan that um, you know that has the autism. Okay, so now you talked about the MAR, which you know some people, if such are not a medical field, can you break that down? But if we could think about that, you have one son that's thirty six, and Jordan was at the time. Um, what, what was it like the, the say the years, the stages of that? You know, as far as um him, one son being thirty six, what year would that he be born to versus Jordan being born? And do you think those years, the medical um the MARs were different then? Well, my um, both of my children they're nineteen years apart. 
and um, the MMR is a measles, mumps, and rubella shot. And um, at that time, they were combining it all together. Well, still today, they still combine it all together. It's an MMR shot. And um, they were giving it the same way when my older son was a baby also. But like since my older son started having children, I had advised him that when his children start getting their MMRs and everything, they have the doctors divide it up. Because, um, you know, I'm in with the uh, Mecklenburg County Autism Society. And and talking to a lot of parents that are, um, you know, part of that and everything, their kids started showing the classic symptoms of autism shortly after having their MMR um, shot also. But of course, we have pediatricians and just other uh, medical professionals say that it's not a cause of the MMR. But me still personally, I still believe that it has something to do with the MMR shot. Yeah, I've heard a lot of um, of people reference that as true, but they also said that um, in the new ages of um, giving out medication, that they're giving the kids a lot more medication sooner, um, like in like you said, in bunches to where it's too much for the immune system or too much for the body to take. So do you think that um, Mr. being in the medical field, is that something that you see often? Um, that is something that I see often and everything. And like, it's very important, like um, we as parents that, you know, when your children are do their, um, you know, their regular um, infant shots and everything, it's important to get their shots on time because um, just like I said, being in the medical field and at the time when, um, Jordan was diagnosed I was a registered nurse and I would you know I was working in a pediatrician's office and we would see parents come in whereas they wouldn't start their children's um, infant shots on time and they end up getting four and five shots at one time and you know that's a lot for a baby system to um, take in yeah yeah I have um my cousin has two children who have autism a, a older um daughter she, I think she's maybe 16 now, Elise. And his, his his brother, her brother, who was like maybe two years below her, he has it, he has autism. But the third child doesn't. She's able, she's functioning at a high level. Um, and their mother is in the medical field too. So she is very you know, aware of what was going on um, with some things. So let me, you know, as you go back and you look at it, how did that affect, you know, you in the, being in the field and you see these things develop in your son, just like you said, overnight, what, what did that do to you? It was a very, very, very big shock to me, you know, even though what Jordan had, no parent wants to hear that their child has autism. I mean, I, I cried. I mean, I did a lot. And I also had to do a lot of praying about it also because I just didn't know, you know, how society would accept Jordan. And like still to the day, we still have issues with society accepting a lot of our, our artistic, you know, children and adults and everything. But um, just like I said, I did a lot of crying when Jordan was first um, diagnosed and everything. It was definitely a hard pill to swallow, even though I knew that this was what my child had. It was definitely a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, that is that is a very difficult thing when you see a child develop and then all of a sudden things change, like you said, overnight. So at the time, were you married or were you, you know, in a relationship? And how did that affect that that male, the father, um, at the well, time? Well, um, Jordan's dad and I, um, we um, had broken up, you know, prior to Jordan, um, you know, being born and everything. 
Jordan's father has never actually really, really been in the picture. Um, so basically, it's just me, you know, raising Jordan by myself. But I do have, I mean, lots and I mean, lots of family support. And I also have lots of support just from like close friends of the family, you know. So I, I, um, I'm i not dealing with this alone. I mean, I definitely have the support of uh, my family and um, friends. Okay, yeah, and that does make a difference. I mean, I said there's a lot of people out there who don't have the support that you have, and that's great that you have that. Um, but a lot of people go through this struggle alone, or they go through it with, with minimal support, and that makes it difficult. Um, and sometimes even the resources that they might need. So that's fortunate that you have those things. So I, I do remember we talking. I met you. Um, just a little backtrack because I, you know, as we go in the conversation, people might feel like you know I know you for a long time, but I did meet you. Um, maybe like eight years ago, now eight or nine years ago, when we um, worked at um, AYN, um, not to go too deep into who that is, but I met you there. But at the time, I think you were coming from another yes, I state. Was. I had um, just moved um, to um, North Carolina um, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but I was um, raised in um, Chicago. Jordan was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, so as you made that transition, um, you know, you're a different lifestyle coming from um, the East Coast or, you know, upper East Coast uh, from Pittsburgh, which is different than North Carolina and going a little bit south. How did, did how did that transition affect you or your family um, as far as the medical attention you might have got for Jordan or the schooling? Did that did there was there any difference? Actually, there? I believe that I'm getting more medical attention in the, um, the schooling down here to me is better. I mean, we came down here when Jordan was um, not even two years old. But um, I, the services that I have requested for Jordan since being down here in North Carolina, I did not have an issue in obtaining these services for him. But I did a lot of research myself because with Jordan having the autism, I wanted him to have the best life possible that I could give him, whether that was through him getting the occupational therapy, speech therapy, the physical therapy. I did a lot of that footwork myself so that Jordan could get enrolled in different um, programs. Right. So what would you, what advice would you give? Like you said, you did the research on your own and of course you were in the medical field. So you had a, like, not say a head start, but you did have some kind of, um, awareness of who, who to go to or what to look for. But who would you say to those person, that person, that mother, that father, or just that individual, um, that are just going into this and know nothing about this? What, you know, what would you, what advice would, would you give them? them? First of all, to, um, Get, get them books out, do a lot of research on autism because um, a lot of times even the medical professionals aren't going to tell you everything that you need to know as a parent. When Jordan was diagnosed, I did a lot. And when I say a lot of research, I did a lot of research on autism so that I would be able to um, help Jordan and not hinder him. Even in like when I was doing my undergrads, um, my undergrad studies and my graduate studies, when we would have to do like big reports and everything, everyone in my class already knew what I was going to be doing my hands on. And that was autism. And that way, that would give me even more knowledge on what I can do to better serve the needs of my child. Right. It became a passion of yours. I mean, so that's your child. And so, you know, his life is in your hands. 
um, at that point. So yeah, that, that was a big advantage for you to to research and to find out, you know, as, as you're finding out, it's helping you to yes. parent your child. You know, so just like I said, it's very, very important, you know, for parents to get out there and, you know, and do their um, own research and everything. And trust me, I, be- I know how parents feel when they hear that diagnosis where your child have autism. I know how it feels. Just like I said, even with me being in the medical field, it was still a hard pill for me to swallow. But, you know, we as parents have to put that pride aside because a lot of parents say, oh, not my child, not my child. You're hindering your child by not getting your child the services that they need and, you know, for you to go out there and do your research. It's very, very, very important. I cannot stress that that enough. It is very important for us as the caregivers of our children to find out as much as we can so that we can help our children in the best possible way. Definitely, definitely. And I don't want to put anything on the lines of a black or white issue, but I just want to put, share light onto this because it's very important that we understand it's not autism or any other disease, or not disease, or any health condition is something that it crosses all border lines. But one particular thing that I want to, when I brought that point up, would say is that in the African American community, we have to be specially aware of these things and not just push them to the side or get angry about it or, um, just put up these um, what do you say these, these the mm-hmm. how can I say a theory? How do you say those theories? That is a, a conspiracy theory against our child. And so in some cases we can we can look at that and say it's a conspiracy theory because our our children might be getting more of this um, diagnosis higher than anybody else. So do you see that there's a spike in numbers and and, and as far as a racial I, barrier I line? I definitely see a um a spike in it. Most definitely, I definitely see a spike in, and like even with me now, I work in the mental health field, and I see a lot of our children that come in and they have the um, diagnosis of autism. But I'm definitely seeing it a lot every day. Yes, and and that's that's the reason why I brought that up, but. At the same time, they, so those parents now, you're being told that you have, your child has this autism. Um, so where would they even start to look for resources? Because like I said, I have a, um, a family member who has this and they live in South Jersey. So there's a little more uh, resources in North Jersey than South Jersey because it's near New York City. But at the same time, they're, they're near Philadelphia. By, but Philadelphia has more resources than South Jersey. So how will a parent and no matter what state they're in, how would they go about trying to find those resources for that child? When Jordan was first diagnosed, I um, called TEACH. It's an um, organization, you know, that um, do the diagnoses for children with autism. That's a very, very good um, um, organization to look um, through. It's um, T-E-E-A-C-H. That just, like I say, that's an um, excellent organization for um, parents to um, look into. And, you know, they can give you a lot of information also. The one here in North Carolina, I did get in touch with them. And they gave me a lot of information. And then just like I said, I did a lot of research just out on my own also. But, you know, just like I say, um, one of the um, good um, places to look, you can always start by um, calling um, Teach. And um, most um, cities and states, they um, they have that. So, you know, there should be no um, problems in, you know, someone, you know, calling Teach just to find out where parents can start at to try to get as much information uh, as they can. Yes. So yes. they are nationwide. Now, 
Now, does the United Way or any other organization like that, or they have any kind of yes, affiliation that could help they, someone? Um, they have um, things that they can um, that can help um, children also. And like another um, organization that helps me out with Jordan, he's involved with the Miracle League. A lot of states have that also. Uh, um, I'm, we're very involved with them. And like um, the Miracle League, it's more or less for like, I guess, like for the sports side of, you know, children have autism and other disabilities and stuff. So, you know, that's another organization that parents could look into. It's called the Miracle League. Yeah, definitely. So I want to, I want to, I'm going to go back a little bit because um, I, we jumped to a lot of different things, you know, and I'm thankful that you gave a lot of those resources out, but I want to touch a little bit about on you when you talked about how hearing the news, can you explain what you know, um, as far as level of, of uh, mental that you had to go through to not only accept it, but to pick yourself up and say how I'm going to move on. Because I, I bring it up because we talk about the child needs individual help now, but what about the parents? Do you think that they should go through some kind of, not say counseling, but let's go through some kind of thing to strengthen their mind? It definitely be of help. But like um, when Jordan was diagnosed, you know, just like I said, I've had a lot of family support. And even at the time when Jordan was diagnosed, my mother was a nurse at that time also. So I had my mother to lean on, you know, as well as like my other family members to lean on, you know. So me personally, I didn't have to go out there and, you know, and get counseling or anything, but it can, it's definitely um, very stressful on any parent for them to find out that this is what their child has been diagnosed with. But, you know, the, you know, the services is out there and a lot of uh, people have that stigma in regards to going to counseling, you know, going to counseling, it can't bother any, you know, it can't mess with anyone. You know, it's good sometimes if, you know, we do have that counseling and everything. I know sometimes even with me working in the, um, the mental health field, there's a lot of days that I feel that I need, you know, someone to talk to because I'm all here. Sometimes I need somebody to listen what I, what I have to say. So it's, you know, it's not an issue, you know, it's not a problem yeah, for anyone to go out there and, you know, have somebody listen to what they say and everything. And just like I said, that's part of my job now, whereas I'm listening to what people say. Sometimes I want somebody, someone to just listen to what I have to say. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I had you on the show. I mean, not not only is April is Autism Awareness Month, and I wanted to highlight that for Jordan um, and those who do have autism and let you come on and be transparent about that. But I thought about all those parents out there who don't have a voice or who are not given a voice or, or are alone in this process and they, they don't know how to talk. Sometimes you said that there might be the pride issue that they don't want to accept it. But then those who do accept it, it's like I, they still need someone mm-hmm. to vent this to and they don't often do that. And maybe the child might be affected or their whole lifestyle is affected because they don't know how exactly. to communicate. Yes, yes. I need help. And then, you know, for a lot of children, you know, the um, autism comes in different I'm not going to say forms, whatever, but, you know, like the the um, severe, moderate, you know, the high functioning, different things like that. And um, Jordan is not high functioning, but he's in between the middle, whereas Jordan, you know, he does everything for himself, whereas a lot of parents, they have to do 
the, you know, different things for their kids 24 seven. And in my case, I don't have to do that. Come Jordan's, you know, he's completely potty trained. He does his work, him, you know, his homework and everything himself and everything. He does everything himself, you know, so it can definitely be more stressful on a parent, whereas they have to do something for their kids 24 seven. That right there in itself can be very stressful. Right. Definitely. I mean, if you just have a child with um, disabilities alone, um, and I said, a lot of these uh, medicines give childs maybe autism, but it's also doing a lot of other things to to the kids that maybe they're going unnoticed or, or misdiagnosed. Um, and the parents have to do a lot more than that. And so I remember, I'm just going to go back a little bit because I like you said, Jordan, you say he's not very high functioning, but he's able to be a little independent. Um, I remember several times we were outing on an outing with you and your family members. And I think one particular time we went to um, the Charlotte Motor Speedway and they had an event there for autism awareness where we walked around the, the track. Um, the one particular time we was there and there was some I think it was a loud noise and Jordan reacted to that. So can you talk to a little bit about how maybe him or other parents have to deal with different effects of how children with autism affects yes, things you change know, or affect them differently? Issue with the loud noises, you know, if something is real loud and everything, he'll put his hands on his ears and everything. Sometimes I have to catch myself, especially like when I have Jordan in the car with me driving or whatever, you know how sometimes we hear that, we hear that favorite song comes on and we turn it up and everything. And I can look through my rear view mirror and Jordan is still here, have his hands on his ear and everything. And I'd be like, Oh baby, I'm so sorry or whatever, you know, but um, a lot of children with autism, Autism, their ears are very, very sensitive to sound. So um, a lot of kids, they wear them, um, them soundproof earphones. A lot of kids, they do have them and everything for, you know, times where in, if they're in the cars with their parents, you know, just on a, you know, outing outside or whatever, you know. But most of our children that have autism, their ears are very, very, very sensitive. They don't like a lot of noise. Now, do, do they, as far as medically, do they have an explanation for that well, or this, what is... They don't really have like a real explanation for it, but like, you know, so many things be going on in their, their, their heads and you know what I'm saying? Whereas, you know, it just affects their... Um, their ear, their hair, um, their ears also, whereas it, it just makes their... Um, their um, ears were just real sensitive to a lot of sounds. Right. Their ears are very, very sensitive. Very sensitive. To sound. Yes. Now, would you say there are there any other triggers like maybe smell or, or sight that might um have him having to where you may go into episode to where you have to okay well, refocus um, on what's like going said, on luckily i don't really have that issue like jordan from time to time like depending on what i cook whatever you know a lot of the um, children even young adults that have autism and they, they smell the food you know they it's just something about their you know their noses and everything you know they smell the food and everything and like jordan tends to like real spicy food he loves spicy food me on me on the other hand I can't stand spicy food so sometimes you know you know in the process of me cooking I have to cook something a little different for Jordan because a lot of times you know if I don't have them spices or different things like that and Jordan won't eat it he loves spicy food mm-hmm. so so more or less um when you when we talk about that then the parents as they go through the trenches of me, me need to not be so selfish about what they like 
but cater more not say cater more to what your child like but have a um a balance sort of say between um the lifestyle and that house jordan i would i would tell jordan go get what you want and everything it's like sometimes me going shopping for two different households because there's things that i like that jordan don't like vice versa and i don't you know i don't want to be selfish whereas i'm like no you're going to eat this and you're going to only eat this whatever jordan has his things that he wants so when i go grocery shopping jordan go pick up the things that he like and you know me and my the rest of my family we'll get the things that we like and everything so you know just like i say sometimes when i cook it's like i'm cooking you know i'm cooking for jordan then i'm cooking for my whole my household and everything because there's a lot of things that i eat that jordan don't eat and vice versa right so as you know i've worked in, we both work in the mental health field to a different capacity so in that sense you're teaching life skills of how to do how to take care of himself sort of say so does he handle money or any other well, things jordan that nature where he, really he has to be independent money, but jordan has a um one of them prepaid kids debit cards um he has one of them and like when we go mm-hmm. shopping or whatever i give him his card and everything and jordan knows his pin to it you know he'll put the pin in when you know once he puts it in the um the machine and everything he'll put his pin in it and stuff and you know he'll get his receipt and everything so like when i you know when i get paid i deposit money onto his card so that he can you know do things that he want to and have his own little spending money to make him more self-sufficient Do, so do you think that's that's highly important or that's something that a parent should adopt that's, or do not adopt very, to give that child that independence? For, um, we as parents to give our children, you know, that independence and everything because we're not going to always be around and God forbid something happened to us and everything. We still want our child to be able to maintain basically on their, you know, on their own or whatever, you know, with the help of family and everything. We don't want to never hinder our kids whereas they just can't do anything for themselves. But what, what would you say to that parent who is going through the stages where it's like, you know, they're real sensitive to themselves. They're like, you know, they're just scared to sort of say they let your child. I mean, you mentioned that Jordan was playing sports, but to a parent who's like already has a child and nothing sort of say nothing is wrong to what society says, they're already scared of the child getting hurt in sports. So what do you say to that, that parent who's going through that? like, the child wants to be active and they're like, oh, no, no, well, no, not um, my child. Like he said, might Jordan, get hurt. Um, they, most cities have uh, um, a thing that's called the Miracle League and it's through the YMCA. Jordan plays adapted sports. Um, Jordan does um, basketball, he does softball, and he does bowling. And it's catered just to children, not only with autism, but other children with special needs. And like, say for instance, like when um, Jordan plays softball in the springtime and in the fall time, there's no winning team. You know, at the end of each game, all both teams have the same amount of points and everything, you know. So it's not like the kids are walking away and they're upset because, you know, they lost against the other team and everything. But, you know, it's an adapted sport, you know. Exactly. Right, so they take out the they take out the competitive part of it, and it's um they're, they're not challenging each other uh, for strength or height or weight exactly. or just some um, yes. abilities. Yes. It's and, just I mean, participation. Jordan loves it, you know. Not only just Jordan, but you know, other children they love it and everything. You know, it gives them a time to 
you know, um, get amongst themselves and have a good time and everything. Because unfortunately, a a lot of times when our kids are autistic or they have other special needs, it's very, 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 very hard for them to make friends. You know, Jordan is not real social anyway, but like when he gets around other kids that are like him, it's like he comes out of his bubble. You know, but other than that, you know, Jordan is like in his bubble, you know, he doesn't want to really go outside, you know, unless I'm with him or whatever, because a lot of kids, you know, they'll look at them and they'll start laughing, which upsets me a whole lot and everything, you know, because they're human also, and they deserve to be treated with respect. But a lot of times, you know, our kids with special needs and autism don't get that respect from other people. Yeah, definitely yes. don't. And not only just the peers, but adults as well. Like you mentioned that a while back about how you went through the stages and you probably still go through the stage where when you're out and about and people don't understand what Jordan's um, condition is and they right away start making assumptions to that. It makes it difficult for you and for them. Um, I mean, one time I was in a restaurant and they said we deal with mental health, kids with mental health. And because I'm in that field, it doesn't phase me when I see a child in the um just out and about restaurants, wherever, because I, I'm already aware of what's going on. I see, I'm aware of my surroundings. But I remember one particular time I was in a restaurant, I think it was maybe like an all you can eat place. And a group of young kids came in there and they all had special needs. Mm-hmm. And right away, everybody in the place started looking at them, you know, started looking around. Like, you know, oh, here comes the kids that need to be quarantined and some kind of say, that's what they were like, you know, they don't need to be in here. The, the eyes, you could see in the eyes, they were like, oh my goodness. And so one kid, his thing was he could not, he, he was not verbal. So by being non-verbal and he was excited about the food, he would get heightened and he would start making noises because he, he seen what he liked. You know, he's like, oh, expressing it as we would say, wow, I'm going to get me some of that. You know, no person, oh, I want that, I want that. But he couldn't do that. So instead, he would start making noises because he was excited or he would point at, you know, like you say, he was showing that, you know, his, that was his way of interpretation. Now, the counselor knew that, but everybody else didn't. Um, and then they they wanted to set them in a different area, you know. Right away, she either she had to um, ask them, "Can we have another area?" Because they didn't want to disturb anybody else. She was trying to be polite. But then the people that were still there, they were like, "I don't even want to be right. them." You know, and and you know, why right, are they here? Right sort of say, you know, what I'm saying. Upset because um, the- autism is very very prevalent in our society now, and for people to not know what it is and everything you know I'm not going to say that it's um, ignorance but it's just a lack of people just not wanting to know what it is and what it involves and everything because there's too many people out here nowadays that have the autism and our children still get looked upon with a frown on their face they you know they're walking away they're mumbling under their breasts and just different things like that and everything it's too prevalent for people not to know what autism is Mm-hmm. I do, yes. But it becomes another yes. form of racism, though, don't you think? Because, like, like I said, right away, we already have the issue when we talk about black and white or, you know, people of color against people of non-color. We already had that problem that is in America. It's never going to go away. We, we could try to say it gets better at time. In certain areas, it might get a little more um, where everybody might come together a little more. But in the South, you understand, you know, that there's still a strong presence of that being there. But now you have a child who has a, a, a special needs and mm-hmm. something that they cannot control. This is their life. You know, they, they no matter what you put in front of them, no matter what their political stance are, this is their life. You know? 
So as as you move on, Jordan has, um, like I said, he's he's grown now. He's, you know, I've seen some pictures that just showed that he of his graduation. Um, so how Jordan in school wise, how is he picking up in school? He's in the tenth grade, and um, this school year so far in all Jordan's classes, he has made nothing but A's. So he's really, really doing, um, you know, excellent in school. And even with his communication skills not being where they are, the um, teachers, they still know how to teach the children, whereas they still get the proper response out of them. You understand what I'm saying? You know, he does, he's not, his speaking uh, is not up to par. It's definitely not where a 16 year old should be at and everything. But the techniques that his school teachers use and everything, and you know, Jordan's doing awesome in school. You know, he he's um he's getting straight A's. Last year he was like an A B student and you know, for his freshman year, but literally this year he's gotten nothing but straight A's um for the um first, second, and third um quarter. So he's he's really doing awesome in school. And then um, not only that, no, so- but the school that he goes to now they're teaching him life skills whereas they're teaching Jordan how to wash clothes they're teaching him how to iron clothes Jordan gets up every morning he makes his bed up anyway so I don't you know have that problem with him but he gets up every morning he um he makes his bed um he's um doing some cooking with my mom he knows how to use the microwave so you know we're seeing more and more positive you know things out of Jordan he's getting more and more independent every day Okay, and that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, th- can you contribute to that? I know you said you have a lot of support. He has siblings around him, and he has um, other family members and your friends as well that are very supportive. But what about those people who don't have that and they don't have the support of the schools? The, so the schools are not don't have the resources. How? What would well, what would you, you say know, to them? Um, you know, it's going with to, advice. Um, you know, take it's, it'll take a while because I know all the um, schools don't have that classroom that um, you know to teach them more of like the independence as far as you know the washing clothes and different things like that. But you know, start off with just something small, whether it's them getting up in the morning and you know um, making their beds and then you know go. To something you know a little more by you know using the microwave you know sweeping the floor you know just take it you know step by step and day by day you know don't put too much on them at one time once they get um familiar and comfortable with making their bed then maybe move to something else them them sorting the clothes so that you can wash everything you know have them put all the dark colors together all the white colors together all the light colors together you know but just don't overload them because when you start overloading them and everything that's when the frustration and everything comes out, you know, so just take it day by day. Right. So now do, does Jordan have a, a male um, role model or a mentor to help um, him out in, now, um, in just everyday know. things in that, in that sense? Okay. Okay. So have you, you know, do, is there a lot of, do, do you think there are a lot of programs out there? I know when I was in Charlotte, we have programs for just the average young men as far as you know um like you want to we also mentioned that we went to the park we went to the same church and so we had bam which is becoming a man uh for the young men like 13 up to 17 i believe it was um where we teach um you know be a mentor to them and teach them all kinds of life skills that nature but is there do do you know if there are any any programs um, programs out there like that like that for parents but me as a parent 
I guess, you know, I'm kind of scared to get Jordan involved in like the big brother, big sisters, you know, just different things like that. Because with Jordan not having, you know, real good communication skills, I hear so much negativity as far as, you know, kids being touched and, you know, different things like that. And I just don't ever want to put him in harm's way. And Yeah, and that's why I mentioned that as well because we like I said this is, on average the Boy Scouts are going through a lot of this you know scrutiny right now for things that have happened over the years, um, and of course different churches they have things that went on, um, and now people are, are taking it seriously. Or different even sports, you know, base, basketball, wrestling, or maybe football, where the coaches you know gain the trust of these young men and then taking advantage of them as well as the young girls as well. It's not going to it's, it's on both lines. But um, I just want to bring it up for kids with special needs, how we still have to be aware of those things happening. But as a, as a, as a parent, you have to really, you know, do your research again because, you know, exactly. you want to get them involved, but you just want to be, you know, naive. It's very important, you know, say, and, so, um, you know, if they decide to go that way and yeah. everything, you know, to do your research also to make sure that, um, you know, whoever your child is linked up with that, you know, they don't have any priors or you know just different things like that and everything you know because just like I said when your children aren't really able to express you know how they feel or what's actually going on with them and everything it makes it hard for a parent to you know know if their um, their child is being touched or anything like that and everything and I just like I said I never want Jordan to ever have to go through that and everything because I feel if I can't protect him then who can protect him and everything you know and I like I had a situation um, with Jordan like that when he was in elementary school we, they had a teacher that was hitting Jordan. Jordan would come home from school and he would have little bruises on his legs and different things like that. And like when it was when it first happened, I would Jordan came home and he showed it to me. It was on the upper part of his hip and everything. And I was like, well, you know, I you know, um, I was like, well, maybe Jordan fell while he was on the playground, you know, just making up all different types of excuses and everything, knowing that my child wasn't a clumsy, clumsy child, you know, he would not run, I mean, he would not run and fall, you know, just different things like that. But it just kept on happening over and over and over and over where he would come home and he's black and blue on his upper parts of his legs, under his shin and different things like that. And so um, one Friday, Jordan came home from school. He showed me a big bruise up under his kneecap and everything. He woke up that Saturday morning. My baby could hardly even walk. So, of course, I took him to urgent care. And at that particular time, the doctor that looked at Jordan said that somebody had kicked him. And it was a very, a very bad contusion. And at that time, all different types of things started running around in my head and everything. Wow. You know? So of course I got I came home and I got right on the phone with his school teacher and I was asking her about it and she was just making all types of excuses up and everything. But anyway, um, come to find out, the teacher was the one that was um, hitting Jordan, you know, and it really made me upset because at the time Jordan was a car rider, whereas I would drop him off in the morning and pick him up because I was working nights. 
and you know that right there in itself made me very upset because I was like man you know I'm doing this doing this all for my child and everything but yet I'm not even protecting him you know he's a car rider to school and after school and everything but yet he's still coming home with all these bruises and different things on him but the teacher ended up losing her license you know and different things like that and everything you know but that's another reason why I'm scared to get Jordan involved in like the Boy Scouts of America I mean not the Boy Scouts um, Big Brother Big Sister of America and other other um, organizations because he's not able to fully express himself he will show me where he's hurting at but he um, wouldn't be able to tell me you know well hey such and such is doing this to me and everything but it eventually came out that the teacher was doing it to him we had investigators investigate the whole nine yards and it turned out to be his teacher Well, and, and that's something that we find to happen not only in um, with children of autism, mm. even in the, like, the nursing homes, you know, because they can't defend themselves. And we find that all the way down to the daycare centers. But I, I was trying to get an understanding to do most, you know, when we talk about kids with behavior, they have to have um, cameras and things of that nature. So in these daycare centers or, or children with special needs, they're not, they're not required to have cameras in their in their classrooms in, um, or in the school CMS system, school they system don't have at all. Cameras in the rooms, and me personally, I would think when, I think it would be great if they had them in the rooms because you know, for a child like my son who's not able to fully say what's going on with him it would help people out if like if at the time with Jordan, with Jordan coming home with the bruises on him on you know who's doing this and everything but the schools here do not have um, cameras in the school but if they ever voted on it I, they would definitely get my vote because the all, I think all classrooms need the cameras especially when it comes to children with special right. needs definitely definitely now Although you said she's also licensed, so um, I know when we deal with behavioral health, we have to go through some kind of certification. Yes. So uh, most of the people that are dealing with the special needs, they have uh, certifications? Well, they, or do um, they just hire have so everybody um, is on the, the same level? And, you know, you um, they want you to have, you know, a, a, a degree either in, like in human services or, you know, psychology, somewhere around that line, yes. Right, right. Yeah, it's very, you know, like I said, the situations are very tough when you have a child who is going through, who, who are growing and they need an adult or, or someone that's supposed to be an able, responsible person being ill, being negligent of things of nature because they're being irresponsible. And because maybe they don't have the patience, they're in a field where they're either burned out because they've, they've done too much and now they can't take it and they they're completely need to get out of the field. Um, because they're not sensitive to the child's needs anymore, and it seems like that's what this young lady, her needs, she was over, overwhelmed um, with everything that was going on, and Jordan became her scapegoat. But let me ask you, I, I know that in, in our, when we go into talking about the racial lines and how a lot of our kids are labeled ADD or attention, you know, ADHD um, because they're in just regular schools and they get singled Most out. Definitely. So, I did do. you think that happens the same way with um, children with autism? Yes. Right. So, as as we go on, 
um, and Jordan has now overcame that and you've overcame that and you guys have moved on with your life um, and things are going well. Um, so where does, where's the next step for Jordan? And you say well, he's 16 um, now, Jordan, he's in he, high school. Um, actually, so where does the next journey school, for Jordan? I do want to keep him at that high school because the, the high school that he's um, at right now, he could stay there until he's 21 years old. And um, that's what I actually plan on doing because I want Jordan, when he actually gets done with it, I want Jordan to be really self-sufficient, whereas he's able to make possibly ride the bus by himself. Um, you know, um, actually get to a point where as he's actually using money because right now he's using like a debit card you know and I, I want him to you know be as um, self-sufficient as possible because I know that I'm not going to always be around and I need Jordan to be able to do things on his own so um, I, I do plan on um, letting Jordan stay in school until he gets 21 years old so that he can um, you know learn to do more things on his own Now, is that when you said you know let him stay until twenty one? Now, is that something because the school allows that? I mean, is that something statewide that can happen? Because I, I was never really um, clear on that. I mean, I know in mental health, you know, a lot of kids phase out at seventeen, and now they're on their own and they're out in the streets because the state and the law to take care of them. So, well, are there a lot of schools like that, or is that something that that particular school has set up? Especially the um, schools that have programs. They're called the AU programs, children with um, you know autism and everything a lot of their programs actually have that whereas they can actually stay there until they're 21 years old. So, and for the parents who don't, what do they do? Well, you know, for times, schools you know, or um, states that don't have children, the, what, what just, actually happens to the child? They're just lost, you know, unfortunately. And like a lot of um, parents, they end up putting their children into like the adult programs and, you know, things like that. And it's not a, you know, even when they, they go to like a lot of the adult programs and everything, you know, your child is maybe 18, 19 years old and they're there with people that are 40, 50, and 60 years old and everything, you know, so it's important for, you know, parents to do their research and their thing before their kids get out of school so that they can find, you know, alternate things for them to do during the day because a lot of us parents, you know, we work during the day and everything and we're going to need someone to care for our children while we're at work. So, you know, they have to do that research to make sure, you know, if this is not a um, school that their kid is in, if they can find an alternate program for their kid once they actually graduate from high school for them to attend until they get 21 years old. Right. So, so pretty much a parent with special, a child with special needs. This is twenty four seven. It's not they could take a, it's not they could take a break from like you know fifteen hours. So how now we talking about the, you know, the pandemic that we're going through and these parents they don't have no school anymore. The, the kids can't go to school. So how how do they how do you sort of say handle that? And well, can you um, do you have any other parents, parents that, that you know that are handling this differently or how are they going through it? They just rely on their older children to stay at home with their autistic child while they work. I'm fortunate that, you know, when Jordan is out of school, I have my mother at home to, you know, to keep Jordan and everything so that I can still, um, you know, work. But a lot of parents don't have that. They have nobody. They don't have the family support or anything like that. So they rely on, you know, 
either maybe a younger sibling that um, that's not special needs or either an older sibling, you know, to take care of that child while they're out working so that they can provide for their family. So in these times right now, North Carolina and a lot of other states are stay at home um, and the, the parents cannot work. Um, so how, you know, is that affecting? Well, of course, you say you have a lot of support. But um, how do you think that yeah, would affect that that person who doesn't have the resources you know, to have do to that? You know, now that they're, they're not even working anymore, and that that in itself causes a lot of um, stress because you know if the parent isn't working, then you know they can't properly provide for their family because they have to stay at home with their child because there's no child services out there for them because they're not in school during the day, which is when a lot of us parents work so that we can be at home with our kids at uh, you know in the evening and at nighttime and everything so a lot of parents just had to basically almost like quit working so that they can be at home with their child yes it is yeah that's a devastating thing you know you have to take care of your child but because of the of, of pandemic it, it puts you in another situation where now you're not able to take care of your child properly um that, that you're seriously tough mentally i know that, that might be tough mentally because now you're you're worrying about you know your day-to-day process yes but um I, i'm not going to keep you any longer i definitely appreciate all the, the, re- the information you gave and even the resource that you you yes. gave out there for people i know you're in a different state everybody has their each state is regulated a different way but before we go being this is autism month is there anything that's special you like to you know say to yes. the audience um, the like listeners to, um, um to, you know, just, to um, that they can take say to moving forward and every one of us you know we're all in this together and like i um i'm always a listening ear you know always a listening ear they can you know even if they're not um you know my facebook friend they can always request me as a facebook friend and everything you know and you know you know i am me if you know you're having a stressful day and you just need someone to lean on because not everyone just like i say have that family support and everything and um, you know i'm i'm there for you know anyone that um you know needs or whatever and i've also even told people you know even with the kids being out of school or whatever you know if you need anything you know if you need food for your kid or you know just anything in general you know we have to be there for one another you know so it's very 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 important for you to like reach out to someone or whatever you know but just like I said I'm on Facebook I'm on Instagram they can you know I am me and you know and I can call them up and we can we can all cry together we can all cry together because it's nothing that we can do by ourselves and everything we need the support of one another another you know and there might be something that someone else's your child is going through that I've gone through with my child and I can you know give you some you know positive advice on you know well when Jordan was going through this I did x y and z or whatever you know but we just you know just you know stay uplifted um and if you need anything you know just reach out to you know another parent and everything so that we can all get through this together Definitely, definitely. I thank you for that. Now, have you ever thought about doing a 501, a, a non-profit deal with autism? I know there's a um, Rodney P. Had, Rodney P. And, um, um, in the and his wife have a, a foundation. Put something together about maybe three or four years ago, and it just fell by the wayside. But you know, um, autism—it's very, very close and dear to my heart. 
and I was um, talking to um, one of my um, friends that I went to school with, I'm actually really thinking about opening up a respite care for children with autism because I know a lot of times it can get very overwhelming for parents, you know, especially when they have um, children that have real bad behavior issues, you know, if they're real aggressive and different things like that. They need that outlet sometimes, even if it's for like a weekend away, whereas they go on, they go on on the date, you know, with their significant other or husband, you know, just different things like that and everything. But I'm really, really thinking about um, trying to open up something like that maybe within the next year or so of respite care for children. Right. That's awesome. That's great. That's great. And I, and I mentioned that because I, I want to send my hand out to you as Dynamic Dad is a, is a nonprofit. Um, in some way, we have, a, a, I'm here in Arizona, but I want to open up a chapter in um, Charlotte to where I could have classes there as well, just to, for parenting. But that's something that I want to put as a, as a class, sort of say our program to help parents with special needs, exactly. with kids with special needs, and how they need to go through that parenting skills. Because a lot of places don't give them that. You know, and so I want to, so I want to stay my hand to you that if there's any way that Dynamic Dads can can help out to to have a program that you can you know, utilize um, that platform, um, feel free to do that, and we will continue to talk in the future. I mean, this is something a topic that we can talk very long about, but I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you just got off okay, work and everything. I really appreciate you. But I do um, thank you for coming on, Dynamic to, Dads, um, be and sharing and being very transparent with us. And I, you know, I, I enjoy talking with you, and I'm hoping that you know everything that I've shared that it can help another parent out. I'm definitely hoping it definitely hope, um, helps another parent out. Oh, definitely will. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. And hopefully that um, it will touch them in a, in a way that they're being more involved and doing more research than they, they ever did before. But um, once again, this is Dynamic Dads with uh, my guest today. Interview was uh, Lynette Denise. And um, hopefully she'll come back on another time and we'll talk about some more things and uh, maybe some activities that you could probably utilize. Um, there's, like I said, there's so much we could talk about with a child with autism or just a child with special needs. So I do thank you for your time and um, you continue to have a great day. Um, and tell Jordan, tell Jordan hello. Hopefully, we can see okay, him soon. But great. do Thank check so out much. the IG page, Dynamic Dads, where we will okay, be highlighting Jordan thank you. Thank you. Um, on that page. Bye. Mm-hmm.